0: Today is Wednesday, October the 26th, 2022, and it's a great day to have a day here on the Spurs Up show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. On today's show, I start with everything Shane Beamer said in his Tuesday press conference ahead of this weekend's game against the Missouri Tigers. Also, guys, it is Wednesday. We're talking gambling, best bet for South Carolina as well as SEC gambling picks for a packed Week 9 slate. Also, we got my good friend Connor O'Gara of South Saturday down south, he joins the show as we break down the Gamecocks football season to this point, including last weekend's big win over Texas A&M, this weekend's game against the Missouri Tigers, and the rest of this 2022 football season. Guys, we have got a packed show for you here on this Wednesday. And of course, as always, it's brought to you by our friends over at Price Picks. Go so download the Price Picks app go to pricepicks.com. And when you do, use the promo code TS. U.S. to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Guys, Prize Picks is the simplest fantasy game on the market focused around prop total entries. Here's how it works: you pick two to five players, and you go in ten times on any entry. Price Pick has no sharks, optimizers, or mass multi-entry guides. It's literally just you against the projection. They also allow mixed sport entries. So, for example, you can take the over on LeBron parlay with the under on Mahomes parlay with the over on Spencer Rattler pass. Passing yards, if you want. Guys, you can play any and every sport that includes all of your favorite college sports, NFL, NHL, M- NBA, MLB, you name it. They have got it. They've also got a slick, easy to use mobile app, both on the App Store and Google Play. And they're rated 4.8 stars in the App Store with rave reviews. Guys, again, that's our friends over at Prize Picks. Go download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com. And when you do, use that promo code TSUS to receive 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Be sure to check them out and tell them Chris from the Spurs Up show sent
1: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to Indeed data, Let's get it.
0: Boys and girls, happy Wednesday. Happy hump day. Hope you're all doing well. I'm Chris Phillips, your host of the Spurs Up Show, as always. And my voice is finally starting to come back here on this Wednesday. You know, it's crazy. After the events that took place Saturday night at Williams Bryce Stadium, my voice wasn't too bad off on Sunday afternoon. It was much, much worse for whatever reason. On Monday, I'm not sure that it's exactly at 100%, which, again, just goes to show how much fun we had on Saturday night. But uh, the voice is slowly but surely coming back, and I will be good to go, good as always, on Saturday for the game against Mizzou. But, again, guys, I appreciate you all tuning in. I hope this show does find you well, no matter where you are, what you are doing. And we have got a lot to get into here on this Wednesday, here on this Hump day. Guys, before we dive into everything, a couple of quick reminders. Of course, this Saturday, this weekend, the TSUS tailgate returns at SeaWells, spot 78. Guys, again, if you're looking at the SeaWells building from the road, which is directly across the street from the fairgrounds, from the rocket in the fairgrounds, if you're looking at that SeaWells building, we are directly to the left of that building in the paved lot. You will see our flags flying, but we are directly to the left of that building in the paved lot. We are not in the grass lot. We are in the paved lot. I feel like a lot of people get confused on that. I will have koozies for sale, towels for sale, all the Beamer Ball stuff, the Beamer Ball merchandise in regards to koozies and towels. We'll also have some swag to give away for free as well and should be one hell of a time as we get ready for kickoff. Also, guys, speaking of events, Not this weekend, but next weekend as we kick off the month of November, the watch parties from Carolina Alehouse return. We will be at the Carolina Alehouse in Greenville, South Carolina, the Woodruff Road location for the Gamecocks game against Vanderbilt, and of course, guys, you all saw, that is a 7.30 kickoff, so that'll be a lot of fun getting out there. Doors open at 11. I'll get out there probably around 5 or 5.30 or so. We'll get out there, get set up again. We will have the towels and the koozies on hand. Might have some special stuff to give away as well. But uh, the Greenville events, man, they're always well-attended. They're really, honestly, the most well-attended events we have. So expecting a really, really big crowd as hopefully we're watching the Gamecocks pick up their seventh win Of the season. But again, full details are on social media, guys. Really excited about that and excited to get back with our friends at Carolina Ale House for all of those watch parties. We're going to have a ton of them in the month of November. So just stay tuned for that. Uh, Finally, guys. Really excited to announce, and you will hear their ad read later in the show. But our good friends over at Carolina Cigars, uh, very excited to announce. Details are to come very, very soon in regards to exactly what it will be. But we will be having an event at their location in Hilton Head at the Cigar Lounge uh, the week of the Florida game. I'm thinking that Wednesday night. Instead of doing the Daily Crow noon to 2, we might either do a hangout that night or we might do like an hour-long live show and then a hangout. But we're going to do some sort of event, if you will, at the Carolina Cigars location. We'll smoke cigars. We'll talk Gamecocks. We'll hang out with the guys. It's going to be a ton of fun. Going to do a little bit of a low country tour, if you will, because I'll be down in Hilton Head that Wednesday through Saturday morning. And then, of course, that Saturday, we're at Carolina Ale House in Somerville, South Carolina, which will be just up the coast. So really, really excited. I've been talking with the Carolina Cigars guys. Hey, I want to say thank you to all those who came by the tailgate and bought up the Aggie Packs. We will have Mizzou Packs for sale at the tailgate this weekend. Uh, If you're wondering what in the world's a Mizzou Pack, Chris, it's a Romeo and Juliet Stogie. We've got a cutter. We've got matches. We've got a Carolina Cigar sticker um, and it'll be $20 at the tailgate. We will take cash, PayPal, Venmo, Cash App, whatever, however you want to pay. Uh, we will have those available, though, so you can celebrate when the Gamecocks get the big W over Mizzou, but again, stay tuned for the details with Carona Cigars. That event, really excited, Going to be going down to Hilton Head, which guys, if you've been listening long enough, you know that's one of my favorite places in the entire world. Cannot wait to get down there, smoke a couple of stogies, talk Gamecocks. Going to be one hell of a time and hang out with all the great low country Gamecocks down there as Well, so guys, of course, a lot of exciting things happening. I also want to say thank y'all so much, man, for the love and support on the merchandise side of the business. Uh, Obviously when you win the merchandise sales, merch sales go through the roof and uh, we've sold so many towels and koozies and merchandise as a whole. And again, guys, I just want to say, thank y'all so much, man. We feel the love on this end. It's absolutely incredible. The, The positive momentum, you know, I tell people all the time, you know, Carolina football, Shane Beamer, he's brought this positivity and this energy and the positive momentum around South Carolina football. Well, we feel that as well. (laughs) And I joke with people all the time, but it's serious. The best thing that could happen at TSUS and yours truly uh, is out of my control. And that is the Gamecocks. Winning So certainly life is good when you've won four in a row, and we hope to make it five in a row this weekend as Mizzou comes to town. On that note, guys, let's go ahead and dive in everything. We'll start with everything Shane Beamer had to say yesterday in his Tuesday press conference. I'm, honestly, I'm not going to spend a lot of time here. There wasn't really anything to me that really stood out. Uh, I thought one of the most impactful comments that the day actually didn't come from Shane Beamer. It came from Austin Stogner. When he said he felt like they're an extremely talented offense, they got playmakers all over the place, and it's all about them just making plays and putting things together. I think that's how we all feel as well. How much blame do you put on Satterfield? How much blame do you put on execution? That's up for you to decide. Other than that, really all shame mentioned. Corey Rucker is going to be out yet again this weekend. He did also mention that with each passing week, with each game that Corey Rucker misses, I know a lot of you have asked this question, it does become more and more likely that he will take a red shirt, which I think at this point, man, Um, I mean, I know you got five games to go in a bowl game, but at this point, if he's not ready to go right now, I don't even see what the point is. Let him get 110% healthy. There's no rush. Give him the red shirt. Let him come back next year. Uh, But I think they still want to see if he can play a couple of games this season, what have you. But either way, Corey Rucker is out, and it does become more and more likely that he could get that medical red shirt and uh, be ready to go for the 2023 season. Other than that, Uh, I I thought Shane Beamer very complimentary obviously of Mizzou talked about them being an attacking team talking about them being a quality team you know you look at Missouri and obviously we'll do our deep dive on Friday when I do my my top storylines and my key matchups and keys the game and lock in my prediction as well Uh, but Mizzou a team that has been really pesky this year you know you look at their record it's not great you look at them on the road 0-3 but they've lost their three SEC games by a combined 14 points they took Georgia to the wire should have beaten Auburn you could argue they should have beaten Florida so Mizzou a team Team that's been right on the edge. Obviously, Cox are favored, which we're going to get into in just a second. But mazubin been right on the edge, and obviously Shane Beamer very complimentary in the Tuesday presser. Also, I did love when he was asked about the top twenty-five ranking and just what it means and how cool it is. You know, he acknowledged that it was something they accomplished and that they, they're proud of, but. They haven't done anything right they have they haven't made anything there's no none of this sense of you know we've made it look at us beating their chest, and I know a lot of you have asked this week about Chris, do you worry about there being a lapse in concentration or guys not approaching the game the right way or 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 coming out you know uh coming out slow or sluggish or feeling good about themselves? I really don't see that being an issue um just because I look at it and listen the and m win was great, and the Kentucky win was great, but I mean. You're five and two. You haven't even hit bowl eligibility yet. So I I don't know how there would be this sense of, you know, we've made it type of feeling like there's so much football to be played. And heck, there's another streak on the line this weekend. Missouri has beaten you three times in a row. So if that can't keep you motivated and it's homecoming, you're on your home field and probably in front of probably a sold out crowd. I, nobody should have to get you motivated and excited to play this football game. So I really don't see that being an issue in this game. This weekend, Guys, that being said, let's move into the gambling side of things. Of course, it's Wednesday. We're talking best bet. We're talking SEC gambling picks. We will start with the best bet for South Carolina Mizzou. And after last weekend, guys, I was sold on the under. I thought the under was the play. And sure enough, the game goes over. So we sit right now three and three on the season. If you don't count the South Carolina State game, which I don't, if you do, we're four and three. But I don't count that one. So we're three and three. In our best bets, need a victory. Gamecocks opened this weekend as five-point favorites. That number has actually dropped to four-and-a-half, the over-under set at 47-and-a-half. There has been money been coming in on Mizzou. So the Sharps out there in Vegas still doubting the Gamecocks, questioning the offensive side, uh, expecting this to be a very, very close game at williams Bryce Stadium. And I'll be honest with you guys. I I understand what Vegas is looking at. I think they look at these two teams and say, you know what? They're both really scrappy ball clubs. They're similar in different ways. The defenses, they are expecting to dominate the day when it comes to this game. And I just think it's Vegas does not trust this Gamecocks offense to put up a big performance to where they're going to pull away from Mizzou. Do I think South Carolina is a better football team than Mizzou top to bottom? Yes, I do. But again, when you have the offensive woes and the offensive struggles that South Carolina's has had this season, I think that's what Vegas looks at. I don't like touching the number in this one. I think it's a tricky number. I I, I think it's one that Vegas, they want you to hammer the Gamecocks. They want you to think it's easy, it's too good to be true. Normally, when it's too good to be true, it is. Where I look is the total, yet again, I'm not going with the under, though. I'm actually hammering the over in this one. I got burned on the under last week, and you know what? I'm going with the Barstool Sports Boys. Life's too short to bet the under. I'm pulling for points this weekend. I do think you will see Beamer Ball show its face yet again. I think defenses will make plays. Um, I think both teams will be opportunistic, and this will be a very gritty back-and-forth game. I think it'll be a fairly close game. Uh, I do think the total will go over That 47 and a half. Lock me in over 47 and a half for Gamecocks and Missouri. I'm not getting burned with unders anymore, guys. I just can't do it. So lock me in over 47 and a half. My best bet for South Carolina, Mizzou. That being said, let's move to SEC gambling picks for a packed week nine slate. Guys, I improved to 39 and 35 on the season. Uh, We went four and two last weekend. Looking forward to bigger and better this weekend as well. And we got some really good games. We'll start Auburn against Arkansas. Arkansas, a three-and-a-half point favorite in this one. I know Arkansas has struggled. Give me the Hogs, though. I got to think at some point Arkansas is going to revert back to that team we saw early in the season. I do like the Hogs to cover the three-and-a-half. Georgia, Florida, the world's largest outdoor cocktail party, returns to Jacksonville. The Gators are a 22 and a half point underdog in this ballgame. Florida coming off the bye week. Both teams actually coming off a bye I think Georgia's going to win. Don't get me wrong, but I think Florida. I think Florida covers twenty-two and a half. and a half. It's all going to come down to how does Anthony Richardson play? I do like Florida to cover. I think that number's too big. Give me UF plus the points. Tennessee and Kentucky. Here's an intriguing game. Kentucky, a 12 and a half point underdog. This game, of course, at Neyland Stadium in Knoxville, Tennessee, all world, everything. they've been They've been unstoppable right on the offensive side. I think Kentucky's got the running game not to win, but I think they keep this closer than is comfortable for the faithful up there in UTK. Give me Kentucky plus 12 and a half. Tennessee wins much closer than the experts think, as the great Lee Corso would say. Finally, Texas A&M and Ole Miss. Guys, this has to be, in my opinion, the lock of the century, the easiest bet ever. And you know what? I'll eat my words if I'm wrong. But Ole Miss coming off that loss to LSU, Texas AM is in complete disarray right now. They lose to the Gamecocks. They got guys getting suspended for smoking weed in the locker room. I- I'm hammering the Rebels minus two and a half here. I think Ole Miss will crush a Texas AM team that doesn't know who it is, searching for itself. Is the team selling out? Is the team uh bailing on Jimbo Fisher? I don't know, but I think Ole Miss will get the job done. I don't think it'll be even close. I trust Ole Miss to bounce back from their loss more than I trust Texas A&M to bounce back. So again, give me Rebels minus two and a half in that ball game. And guys, i tell you what, that feels like an undefeated slate. I don't know about you all, but that feels like an undefeated slate to me. That feels like an undefeated slate to me. So anyways, those are my SEC gambling picks. Again, guys, best bet for South Carolina Mizzou, I think due to special teams and defensive plays. Also, by the way, I forgot to mention this in the over 47 and a half I do think South Carolina could be primed for their best offensive output of the season. I'm not saying they're going to score 50, but I do believe you look at last weekend, I think there were some encouraging signs that you could point to and say, maybe South Carolina is getting to a breaking point on the offensive side. Uh, And again, I think it'll be a good back and forth game. So do not be surprised when that number goes over, when it goes over the total 47 and a half. And of course, guys, as always, I'd love to hear from you all your thoughts, your picks. What do you like this weekend? And again, yet another packed SEC. Slate. Guys, that's going to do all for me. Appreciate you all tuning in. Of course, do not go anywhere. We've got a great conversation upcoming, and it's all brought to you by our friends over at Carolina Cigars. Guys, Carolina Cigars has been in operation since 2008 and recently taken over by the Peterson family in 2020. Now, whether you're new to the cigar scene or whether you've been enjoying cigars your entire life, Carolina Cigars has the expertise and knowledge to make your visit to our shop enjoyable stop by for a fine cigar and experience their classic cigar lounge where people come together share conversations and become friends so guys if you're into cigars and you're on hilton head island you really do need to come by and visit them guys they offer same day shipping nationwide free delivery island wide for weddings and all special occasions they're also proud to offer premium cigars at nine outside humidor locations around hilton head island and they have special events throughout the year and hey we're gonna be there in a couple of weeks as well. Guys, at Carolina Cigars, they want to talk to you. They want to engage. They want to share with you their cigar selection that they're very proud of. And the beautiful lounge as well. When you're in the low country, there's only one place for cigars that's Carolina Cigars, Hilton Head Island's premier cigar merchant. Guys, come and share your passion. It's all there at Carolina Cigars. And guys, the only place that I get my stogies from is Carolina. Cigars. You can find them on Instagram at at Carolina underscore cigars. That's Carolina underscore cigars on Instagram or give them a call today at 843-681-8600. That's 843 681 8,600. Guys, smoke them if you got them, and tell them Chris from the Spurs Up Show sent you. Again, guys, thank you all so much tuning in. Appreciate the love and support. Enjoy the rest of your Wednesday, and enjoy this conversation with Connor O'Gara of Saturday Down South. All right, guys, joining us today on the Spurs Up Show. A friend of the show, a familiar face. Of course, he's a senior national columnist for Saturday Down South and host of the SDS pod, the official podcast of Saturday Down South. Connor O'Gara joins us once again to talk all things Gamecocks and SEC football. Connor, appreciate you taking the time, man. It is a pleasure to have you on. And like I mentioned off air, morale is high for yours truly. I was able to take the cigar out of my mouth just long enough to have this conversation with you. What's going on? You know, the ultimate
2: good vibes team. And that's what I said South Carolina was in the offseason. The vibes are back. And when you win four in a row for the first time in nine in nine years, you beat A and M for the first time ever, the vibes should be back. Understandably so. Connor, is South Carolina this
0: year's Arkansas from last year?
2: No, I was thinking, I was actually thinking that exact question when we came on before, right before we came on. And, you know, I I think there are certain elements that, that are similar, right? Year two coach, you're feeling like coming into the year. All right, we're going to take that next step. We over, maybe overachieved a little bit. Year one, everybody's kind of buying into this head coach from that perspective. Absolutely. There are a lot of similarities in terms of the way that the teams are kind of constructed strengths and weaknesses, I think very different. Um, I I think Arkansas from a quarterback standpoint last year with KJ Jefferson, the things that he could do over the course of a game, running, throwing, you felt really good with the ball in his hands. And then I think defensively they did some things really well. And South Carolina has begun to do those things at a a very high level. Um, But I, I think that, you know, it's unique because, a lot of people are kind of wondering, OK, well, so how is South Carolina at five and two? Because if you had told anybody coming into this year that Spencer Rattler is actually going to be disappointing, the passing offense, it's going to be loaded with these guys who uh, haven't been featured enough or they haven't been targeted in the way that you were going to hope for. And defensively, you know, it's like you know Jordan Burge, Zach Pickens, these guys, these former five stars. They've been good, but they haven't been like these takeover guys. Cam Smith hasn't really been this lockdown, unbelievable, you know, outside JC Horn guy. Um, But they're sitting there at five and two. And that's a good place to be. And it's because they win close games. It's because they've taken advantage of these opportunities. It's Beamer ball. They obviously get the special teams working for them. And there are a lot of programs, mainly the one that South Carolina just
0: beat, who would do anything to be five and two right now. Beamer ball to the freaking moon indeed, Connor. You look at the last two games for South Carolina, Kentucky and Texas A&M, and I know there's some rival fans out there that want to try to discount the success or those victories. But uh, the bottom line is this, you play who you play and you take your best 22 and their best 22 and you go at it. And it's a it's a win anyway league, as you know, Connor. So you look going to Lexington, you exercise those demons. Carolina hadn't won there since 2012. And Mark Stoops and Kentucky had just basically owned the Gamecocks over the last eight seasons or so. Uh, And then Texas A&M, like you mentioned, a team that Carolina had never beaten, right? And the games hadn't been particularly close. And to start the game off the way you did with the kickoff return for the touchdown, to play the way you did, secure the victory. Like you said, you you sit now... 5-2, 5-2, and two, ranked in the top 25 for the first time since September 2018. Obviously, it was a tough start to this season with that first three-game stretch, Georgia State, and then, of course, Arkansas, Georgia. The morale, as we talked about, the energy was sort of low after that first three being at 1-2. and two. You go through your cupcake games, SC State, Charlotte, the fan base is still sort of disgruntled because you got that really nasty taste in your mouth of SEC play. But this team been able to bounce back. Now winners are four in a row. Just how how do you look at this kind of football team, though? Because I think what you're seeing, you know, we're going to talk about in a sec, going in this Mizzou game, Carolina's only a four-and-a-half-point favorite. And, and I think a lot of that reason is because, like you mentioned, the offensive struggles, but they're winning with defense. They're winning with Beamer ball. You know, I, I, I talked about this earlier in the week, my greatest takeaway from that A&M game, and really to this point in the season, this is such a Beamer team, and that might sound like the obvious, but it's just you think of, like, Beamer at Virginia Tech, that lunch pail type of mentality, hard nose, gritty, win close games they win two out of three facets it's just that right now one of those facets is special teams on a weekend yeah. week out basis Your just overall take of of what south carolina is as a football team to this point
2: they are six and two in games that are decided by 10 points or less under beamer that's not by accident that's because yes, they've struggled with some of the turnovers, but they also late in these games, don't do those killer things Mm. to ruin their chances late. And that I think is such an underrated thing. What do you do in these, these pivotal moments and coaches spend an entire year talking about, like, if you listen to a coach of an eight and four team, probably Jimbo Fisher in the past, (laughs)
0: you,
2: you listen to some of these coaches that are like, we were four plays away from being undefeated and going to the playoff. And it's like, no, you really weren't. You can try and justify that, but you really weren't. South Carolina wins these close games because they do these little things down the stretch. Or as we see in Willie B on Saturday night, that place is rocking. A&M has all these pre-snap penalties where they have like eight pre-snap penalties in that game. And sometimes it does come down to those little tiny things. As for this game against Mizzou, the spread is low because – You know, the average person probably wouldn't realize Mizzou is just minus 11 in SEC play this year. Their defense is much improved. That is despite the fact that they have played against the likes of Georgia. They have played against Florida. They played on the road against Auburn, a game in which they win if an All-American kicker hits a 26-yarder from right down the pipe or if a running back holds on to the football walking into the end zone. Those things didn't happen. Mizzou is in disarray offensively. That's the good news for South Carolina. This defense, which has looked so much better these last couple of weeks in that Kentucky game, if you're going to discredit what South Carolina did, go back and watch the way that they played in the trenches. They punched them in the mouth. Shane Beamer challenged that defensive line, said, I thought you guys were supposed to be the strength of this defense coming into this year. Let's see it. We saw it then. We saw it against a and as well. If they play like that against Mizzou, they're going to win this football game by a touchdown. I think that's most likely what's going to happen because Mizzou, from an offensive standpoint, They are just a disaster when it comes to throwing the football against Vandy, who's got the second worst passing defense in America. They couldn't move the football through the air in the second half of that game. That's bad. That's real bad. Eli Drinkowitz is going to need a play caller at at the end of the season if he's keeping his job. And I think South Carolina sets up really well with what they have done these last couple weeks to get back on track against SEC competition.
0: Connor, let's get back to the offensive side, because obviously right now, I think that's still obviously the area that's most desired by Carolina fans, and we still want to see improvement. And, man, you look at Spencer Rattler, like you mentioned, if you would have told me over the summer, hey, through seven games, Spencer Rattler is going to have five touchdown passes, eight interceptions, but the Gamecocks are going to be five and two. I would have told you were crazy. I'm just flat out. How – when you look at his play, you know, I think you look at Texas A&M um, – I could argue that was actually his best game of the season in regards to I thought he was putting the ball to money. I thought he had a couple of throws that you looked at and you said, hey, it's only a handful of guys in college football that can put that ball where he put it, the arm strength. He had a couple of deep balls that were dropped. I think if those drop passes are caught, we're talking about a different story. But either way, still, how surprised are you if at all surprised at just the struggles? I mean, Spencer yeah. Rattler, Connor might finish with single digit passing touchdowns, which is it's mind-blowing, and Carolina, in spite of it, might still win seven or eight games.
2: Yeah, and it might be the thing that cost Marcus Satterfield his job at the end of the season because the weapons are there, and I kept telling people in the offseason, if you're one of these people that it's saying that Spencer rather went to South Carolina – and he he went to a place where he's not going to have weapons that that just tells me you haven't watched South Carolina. You don't know the likes of Jaheim Bell. You don't know Juice Wells, even Josh Dan. Remember him? Uh, he had two big catches in the A&M game, of course, but, you know, seven catches for 70 yards in the season. They were expecting so much more out of him. And so you kind of look at this offense. And oh, by the way, when Rattler made that throw, the one where he was throwing off of his opposite foot. And I think who was it? Jalen Brooks. He was trying to target yep. in the end zone. Yep. And it it was like 60 yards. And it was one of the prettiest incompletions I've seen all year, which like it reminded me of Michael Vick mm. and nobody's going to make that comparison because he's not a lefty, but the way that Michael Vick could throw off his opposite foot like that. And you'd just be like, Oh my God, look at that ball go. That's what I thought of watching that play. But as for the offense as a whole, it's frustrating because you look up at halftime in that game and you're like, wait a minute, Spencer Rattler's attempted 16 passes. Jaheim Bell doesn't have a target. Marshawn Lloyd has three carries. What are we, what are we missing here? Because that's where the the breakdown happens. And it's almost like Marcus Satterfield gets a little bit schizophrenic and he's like, Oh, we got to give this guy this many touches. Oh, we gotta, we gotta make sure that we get Jaheim Bell carries in the backfield and you're just, What? Like this should be simplified. And it's almost like he's a guy that doesn't necessarily know the right pieces that he necessarily has to play within the course over the course of a given game. We saw that for the majority of last year, I think the Mayo bowl kind of covered up some of those things that we saw from them. So I I do think that it's going to put Shane Beamer in a really interesting spot, because what if you look up at the end of the year, you're playing in an outback bowl, you're like eight and four and you're feeling good about your program. Do you fire Marcus Satterfield? I it, this last month is probably going to determine that, but I think the struggles that Spencer Rattler has shown, the lack of mechanical development, Jordan Rodgers talks about it a lot on the broadcast, how he continues to drift away when he doesn't necessarily have to drift when pressure's coming. I think those could be the things that ultimately end up being Marcus Satterfield's undoing.
0: Yeah, and I, I think, Connor, honestly, that's the move that's got to be made. Uh, you, you mentioned schizophrenic. I mean, that's my biggest takeaway watching is that you know, I, I I think Marcus Satterfield is very smart. He knows a lot of football. I don't think you stumble into an OC job in the SEC by accident. But Agreed. in regards to instinct and situational awareness, there are just too many times on a weekend, week out basis where I feel like fans are left scratching their heads being like, What, you know, like, like, like does it make sense
2: though? But like schematically, it makes sense what he's trying to do. And you can recruit to that because it's the pro style. It's the McVay. Mm -hmm. It's the Shanahan. That's what everybody wants to be. Mm -hmm. But then you kind of look at the way that this team is built. And then you're like, oh, yeah, well, they shouldn't be protecting with just five offensive linemen. And oh they should probably be running the ball a lot more with Marshawn Lloyd. And they don't really have the personnel to execute this system. And that's where the
0: frustration lies. Well, I'll give you an opportunity, Connor, to speak on Marshawn Lloyd because very quietly, and I you know, I say quietly, but I I talk more so conference-wide. Marshawn Lloyd is having one hell of a season. I yes. mean, I think he's, he's up there in regards to most touchdown score by anybody. And, and we're finally seeing this kid, I think, live up to. And I think you guys talked about him. Yeah. I know folks at that SEC podcast, a lot of people across the conference, when he committed to South Carolina and he enrolled, folks were expecting him to be this type of breakout player. He suffers the injury. I think last year, I think we can all admit looking back, he wasn't himself. Marshawn Lloyd is now fully healthy and living up to that potential and what we all expect him to be when he enrolled just a couple of years ago
2: he has become one of the top two or three guys in the sec that i'm going to be waiting on pins and needles at the end of the regular season going man i hope he stays another year i really do because he is special when he is right and i don't really throw that around a lot with running backs there are very few guys in my opinion who when i watch them they make you go whoa that's different That speed that power, that combination, that's just different. And we're starting to see it now against the SEC competition. That's probably the difference between, oh, when you run over a guy and you hurdle a guy against Charlotte, you know, it's different as you know, as opposed to seeing that burst and that explosiveness against a team like AM that's got five star talent on that field. And for me, he's been one of the bright spots. Seeing him healthy out there, looking like he is at his best to me is what has allowed South Carolina to stay a float offensively at times this year and you know I do think that he has had a, a an underappreciated type of season we'll wait and see kind of how the numbers play out he's probably not going to be in that spot where he's earning one of those all SEC spots at season's end but if you watch this kid man it is hard not to be impressed mm-hmm.
0: Connor, this football team, like I mentioned, it's got Shane Beamer's fingerprints all over it. It's just week after week after week, man. Beamer ball. I mean, leading the country in block punts. And I, I guess we shouldn't all be surprised, but it's crazy because I keep saying, you know, at some point you're not going to get these big plays. You can't make a living making plays on special teams or getting turnovers. And they just keep doing it every single week. Yeah, they do. And I mean, dude, Texas a I was in the building my God, the top came off of Willie B when Xavier Lee, yeah. I mean, that, that was, that was as someone that's been going to Carolina games for quite a while. That was one of the loudest moments in the history of that stadium, dude. I mean, that place absolutely erupted, uh, but it, but it's, but it's really, it's really special to see, I think again, what they're doing on the special team side. And it's a facet of the game that doesn't get as much love. It's not sexy. Right. But you know, if you look, if you're winning two out of three facets on a weekly basis, you got a pretty good shot to win, and that's what they're doing right now. Okay,
2: so here's kind of the the underrated uh, dynamic surrounding that because Xavier Leggett. If you watch, you know that that play out, it returns to opening kickoff for a touchdown, and then you think back to the South Carolina State game. He has two drops in that game, both of them lead to interceptions, and this was a guy who has been. I mean, for lack of a better word, he's been disappointing in this offense. Like that that's just what he has been. He has not been featured in the way that some hoped he would, a veteran guy, and has not had that impact on the offensive side of the ball. But if you're Shane Beamer, and if you are actually one of those coaches that isn't just speaking, you know, talking about special teams like, Oh yeah, we need to control these three aspects of the game, blah, blah. blah. And you actually are prioritizing that and you reward that and you value that you keep guys like Xavier Leggett and Josh Van engaged. And that is so important for the way that this team needs to be able to score points right now, because it's not always going to be the traditional, Oh, we're going to go get the splash plays in the offense. And it's going to look like it did in the Mayo bowl. They have to fan- manufacture points in different sorts of, ways. And having a guy like Beamer in your corner who understands that, hey, just because they're not getting targeted, they're not being featured in this offense, I can't lose these guys. And having that type of
0: start in that game was so pivotal. And Connor, speaking of keeping guys engaged, you know what really stood out to me? And I haven't even talked about it a lot this week, but you just, you bringing that up made me think, you know, being at the game, what I noticed, you know, the the, the kickoff return for a touchdown was great. What Marshawn Lloyd did in the run game was great but I saw Xavier Leggett make a tackle on special teams. Yeah, I saw Marshawn Lloyd make a tackle on a punt. Like the fact that guys are bought into that level, you know, it might be something small, but just to me, it tells me, that your best players believe in Shane Beamer and believe everything they're doing to the point where they're like, you know what, I'm not too good for special teams, you know. What I mean? And it's 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 one thing to to want to be on special teams and make the big return or be the starting running back, but again, to be sacrificing yourself to be making a tackle on a punt, like I, I don't know, that just hit me a different way where it's like the buy-in of what Shane Beamer's preaching, it's being put into action.
2: And even seeing who was – I think it was it was probably a Justin King video. Of course, it was a Justin King video where Josh Van is kind of bopping around mm-hmm. in pregame, and that's a guy that should be so frustrated with the yeah. way that things have gone and the way that this season has kind of played out, what was supposed to be kind of his money season. This offense, you get Spencer Radler coming in with this big NFL arm and you're going to be able to stretch the field, and he's still – feeling that good going into a game again, like those are little things, but look across the sec right now, look at guys like Brian Harson. look at guys like Jimbo Fisher. We're questioning at this point of the season, where's that buy-in? Where is it? A&M is dealing with trying to just keep guys out of the transfer portal after the signing, this historic recruiting class. And it looks like things are falling apart. They've got guys that are, uh, you know, reportedly smoking weed in the pregame locker room. That's how engaged they are in this (laughs) program. And like, it's not always a given that you're going to have a high energy, positive coach that guys want to listen to. And I, for what it's worth, I don't think Shane Beamer's for everybody. I don't. I truly don't. Like there are some things about him that are going to give others, Mark Stoops, some PJ Fleck type vibes. That's okay though. He doesn't need everybody to buy into who he is and what he is selling. And I say selling that maybe that's not the best verb because so many college football coaches do it. But I think that that's just such an underrated thing to be able to have that guy who clearly has the support of that locker room and those players, the engaged ones and the ones that aren't as involved. He has them buying into
0: who he is and what he's trying to build. And he's building it right now. We're seeing that before our very eyes. And Connor, I know you and I have spoken many times. And a couple of years ago, we were speaking, I think, after the Gamecocks had, had just won two games in a season and they had just hired Beamer. And, and uh, you know, let's call it what it is. The program was in a bit of disarray. And uh, many of us didn't know how long it would take for South Carolina to get built back up under Shane Beamer. Well, obviously – they overachieve, you know, massively in the national eye and the local eye, really. Last year, going to a bowl and then winning the bowl game, and you look at them right now. Still, a lot of football to go, in, and there will be adversity inevitably. Right, this is SEC football. The highs are extremely high, the lows are extremely low. But sitting right now, five and two, being ranked in the top twenty-five, I think again, it just really speaks to what Beamer has built and is building in Columbia. I mean, I think you could argue and agree that probably agree they're way ahead of schedule uh, in regards to year two of his tenure.
2: Yeah, I was wondering um, coming into this year, could Josh Heupel and Shane Beamer follow the Sam Pittman, Lane Kiffin year two? Could they? And so far it very much looks like that. Now we'll kind of wait and see the way that this plays out with with South Carolina, you know, but I I think the, the good news is that Spencer Radler, my, my biggest question with him coming into this year is, will, will he be a guy that stays with it when things aren't going his way? If he has a game in which he gets sacked five times, mm-hmm. is he going to get up and get into the face of his offensive lineman and it's going to look like this thing is falling apart, this thing isn't going to work, and this is just going to kind of self-combust? And it hasn't been that way. And, and to me, I, I think that you're, you're feeling really good about the investment that's been made in Shane Beamer. That extension's coming. I don't know what it's going to look like. I would imagine it's going to have some Sam Pittman. I know we've made a lot of Arkansas comparisons, but (laughs) it's going to have maybe some Sam Pittman type incentives with it, which is a very team friendly deal. If you want to kind of break that down with the way that he's got an, even an incentive based buyout. I don't know if if Shane Beamer is going to be able to work that into his contract, but that's going to be the question at the end of the regular season. And that's a good question to have. As much (laughs) as we talk about these buyouts being kind of ridiculous in this sport, it's a good place to be, to feel like, okay, your coach is going to get that new deal, and he deserves it.
0: Mm. Connor, this Mizzou game this weekend, it's a bit tricky, right? I, you look at this game, and I think it's interesting. You know, Gamecock fans, I probably know Mazoo Mizzou fan. I know it's a trophy game for the Mayor's Cup, but I don't know if really either side sees each other as a rival. And, mm. we, you know, on the Gamecock side of things, we don't spend a whole lot of time thinking about Mizzou. You know, it's funny. I guess the joke is most SEC fans look at Mizzou as like the redheaded stepchild. Why are they in the SEC? But then you look up. Well, Mizzou's beaten you three times in a row. You know, I mean, they they've been to the SEC title more than you have. Nobody likes to talk about it, but they have. Um, And you look at this Tigers team this year. Most of us didn't think they'd be very good. They're you know getting picked to finish sixth in the SEC East by the media in the preseason. And like you mentioned, you look at their record and you would just write off Mizzou. Oh, they're not very good. But you look at their SEC games; they've all been very, very close, very competitive. They got a very good defense. Um, This is one that I think South Carolina fans look at. You expect to win. You feel like you should win. It's homecoming. You're on your home field. I'd expect Willie B to sold out, be sold out yet again. But I actually labeled this one, Connor. I don't know if you know this. I labeled this one of the summers the most important game of this season. And I actually stand by that. And now it's the most important for a different reason. You've got all this momentum. You've won four in a row. You know, I, I don't want to be over the top and say, if you lose this game, we'll all hope for this season's loss and you just squandered everything away because you're not going to undo what you did in breaking the streak against A&M and and, and beating Kentucky. But, man, this one's pivotal, man. I I just think to look at the 2022 season and for me to feel like that was truly a success, I I just think you need to capitalize on momentum you have and take care of the Tigers. Because going into 2023 with a four-game losing streak to Mizzou, it's the Mizzou's and the Kentuckys of the world to me that you need to get back to beating on a consistent basis if you're really going to take that next step under Shane Beamer and in the SEC East. I agree, and I think that if you're
2: one of those people that that is automatically looking past this game, saying, "Oh, well, South Carolina's won four in a row. Mizzou's kind of in disarray right now. Similar from an offensive standpoint in terms of everybody wants a new play caller. Everybody wants Eli Drinkwitz to give play calling duties to someone else. That that is to me, what can make this dangerous because once a year he gets the, what I call the Toby Keith game, the how do you like me now game? (laughs) It could be coming against South Carolina. He would love that. He would love to be able to, to, to go on the road and do something that Mizzou has rarely done during his three years there. I think in terms, they have like one, not yeah. They're only non Vandy road win against a power five team I believe was at South Carolina 2020 if I'm not mistaken Um but yeah it, it's been a bit of a rough go for them away away from home and I think that you know their offense is just so, it's so unbelievably stagnant and Brady Cook it just kind of lacks some of this awareness, like even watching that Vandy game, which yes, I did because I'm a sicko. Um, you see the lack of pocket awareness that he has, wherein, you know, they had a guy like hurdle uh, the protection. And then one guy, you know, just decks him. And then Anthony orgy comes in on the right side, the Vandy uh, outside at the edge rusher and just demolishes it. And it's like an easy scoop and score for them. And like these things still happen in Mizzou and everybody's talking about Luther Burden touches this, you know, he needs to, to be getting eight touches a game. And so it's very it's a very disjointed offense. And I think that's what South Carolina can type can take advantage of in this one. But it's going to be a tough defense that, that defensive line is much improved. Isaiah McGuire is having an all SEC type season, whether he gets love for it or not. We'll, we'll kind of wait and see. But,
0: uh, yeah, I, I do think that South Carolina is able to win this one and make it five in a row. Connor, looking forward to it this weekend. Appreciate you taking the time. Before I get you out of here, last thing, man. You look at the SEC. Does it not feel like it's just absolutely wide open? I don't know if it was you that tweeted or maybe somebody else. I think it was Brad Crawford, maybe our good friend, that said, "Uh, an LSU-Tennessee SEC championship would basically make the world implode." I, I mean, what are your thoughts? It just, I mean, it's wide open, dude. With what Tennessee's doing, and then Bama, obviously, you know, takes the L to the balls and. I mean, this, this is just, it's, it's not as, you know, we all just said it over the summer. Well, it's just Bama, Georgia. You know, it's far from that. It's far from that. It's it's anybody's game right now. It feels like.
2: Yeah. Uh, Brad actually didn't steal that tweet from me. That was an original tweet from him. He oh, came up with that. I okay, was like, okay. No, I'm just Fair kidding. <laughs> I love, I love Brad. He comes up with his own stuff. I, I know Brad. I mean, Brad was like one of the first people I met when it came down to Orlando back in 2015. So yeah, we, we know each other very well. Uh, it is a, an interesting place right now. But I do still find myself being like, yeah. hmm, Alabama's probably still going to win the SEC. If I'm predicting today, mm. based on what I think they can do to make those adjustments game to game, and I think what kind of awaits on their schedule, I do think that that Bama is the team that is standing there at top of the podium in Atlanta. But getting there and what it could take – is has been fascinating to watch and it's got some 2014 type vibes to it. Um, I predicted in August, I predicted in September, I predicted here in October that Tennessee was going to be Georgia. And I still believe that. And now that Tennessee's got over the hump and they beat and they beat Alabama, that opens the door for them to potentially win, win the division, go on to be able to, to play Alabama in a potential rematch there. I also had South Carolina beating Tennessee in the preseason. Don't tell anybody I said that. But, yeah, I wouldn't necessarily go on the record with that one now based on how good Tennessee is looking. I only had Tennessee at 9-3. It wasn't like I was sitting there like saying it feels like 98 in the preseason. But, you know, I, I do think that it it is made for a fun year in the conference. And who knows? Maybe we're set up to have a lot more fun. What would an LSU – victory against Alabama do for the state of college football it would be the ultimate Michael Scott oh my god it's happening fire drill type moment for the rest (laughs) of the sport because that's kind of what Tennessee felt like but if Alabama suffers that second loss it would absolutely be that so yeah it's been a fun year and it feels like we're in for a little bit more craziness
0: Connor as someone whose team is not going to be in the playoff I'm just pulling for (laughs) ultimate chaos so a Gamecocks win over Tennessee would be incredible I'm just really hoping for that one get to eight and two Tennessee coming either undefeated or 9-1. Let's get some college game day back in Columbia. College game day back to the horseshoe. Could be a good time. Could set up for a big upset. But if that doesn't happen, what I tell you what I'd love is this. Bama, Georgia, Tennessee, and Ole Miss all finished with one loss and uh, all hell break loose. Ole oh, so, Miss, finishing with one loss. That's yeah, it. I know. I, mean, I, know that, I know That can't know. happen because Bama's already got the one loss, so they still got to play very, each other. Oh, yeah, true. Very good, point, very good point, very point. I was thinking of my, my conversation last week, which actually I had LSU minus two and a half, so I don't know why I didn't remember that, uh, that happening. So, anyways, though, pure chaos. We'd love to see it. Uh, we all want to see the College Bowl Playoff Committee squirm as much as possible so connor o'gara saturday down south that sd or excuse me the sds podcast the official podcast of saturday Down south does a fantastic job connor as always man it was a pleasure i appreciate you taking the time absolutely appreciate it man yeah man connor o'gara for connor i'm chris phillips we appreciate you guys tuning in and we'll catch you next time on the episode of the spurs up show